Did you think we was finished talking? Uh-uh, baby. Join us for this special segment of behind-the-scenes personal thoughts and extended conversations with our guests as we talk beyond the conversation. The shortest distance between two people is a story. I've heard that quote once. Wow. And so I'm with you 100% on how that changes things. You yeah. can't hate people or reject people close up. Right. You know, when you're right. right when you're right with them, you can't do it. Right. And so, and we have these privacy boundaries. Like, I don't want to get involved. Right. Like, that's not my deal. I'm at church. Right. I don't want to be in their business. I'm exactly. like, mm, I don't know about that. I think we need to break that. Just really look, yeah. deconstruct that a little bit. I agree. And that's the part that's so hard about this story. Is that she did open up and tell, trust somebody and then never stepped foot outside right. of her home again, essentially, from what the story is. You know, so that's... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's chilling. It is chilling. And that's why it's it's worth telling. Yes, absolutely. Because I was thinking it was kind of closer together when she told and then she was murdered. But it was like four years. Yes. So what happened? Level to it. Right. In those four years, where was she? What happened? What was being done to her? And why then? Why four years later? Why four years later? Yeah. 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 And you're thinking about going to meet Marie? I'm really struggling with that. As I'm learning more about the story and wanting to learn more about this story, I'm struggling with whether or not I want to add her voice to it. Mm -hmm. The things I've heard from people that have known her is she was the best person. She was a Christian. My understanding is that she was an ordained minister. She was the first person to pray, always had a kind word, a word of encouragement. And I just don't know that I want to sit across from her and hear any kind of justification, any kind of need to create that false face with me. I don't know that I want to be a part of any of that and putting any of that voice out into the world. Let's just live with the fact that you did this horrific thing to this child. And I don't want to hear, well, I was abused as a child. I don't want to hear... It was hard. I don't want to hear, you know, I took her in and I don't want to hear any kind of thing that in any kind of way diminishes the evil that was done to this child. Mm -hmm. And part of what I'm wanting to do with this story is really look at all the pieces around it, because ultimately Marie killed Erica. But I think there were a lot of people around Mm -hmm that are complicit in what happened. Yeah. In the work that I'm doing, I'm committed to defending black girls and not doing it as a lone soldier, but really rallying up black women to do this because black women must be in the forefront of defending black girls. Mm -hmm. But also, how can we rally up other levels? Black men is next on my list, but white women Mm -hmm. is the next on my list because white women, whether they be in the schools and social services, white women have the most power and influence over the lives of black girls. True. Tell me more about that from your perspective as a white woman. Can I tell you a story? Tell me. I'm going to tell it in a story because I think it's better off that way. Yes. So... I was working at Wright Middle School and a seventh grade teacher came and told me about six girls that were driving her crazy, talking out and being difficult. She said, can't you do something about that? And she goes, start an anger management group or something for those girls because they need help. I thanked her for the referral and I said, 
yes, I will create a community for them to share what their school experience is like. We will not call it anger management. Right. The girls will name it and they will decide how this is going to go. And that's so we started. And it was mostly young black girls, some other diversity too, but all children of color. And I said to the ladies when we met, I said, hey, so glad you're here. School's been a little tough. I'd love to create a circle of support for you so that you can make sense of school and you can be at your best because we ain't seeing what you've got yet. Mm -hmm. And so we want to figure out how you can support each other to be at their best in school. The girls designed it. They named it. We would check in. I would give them feedback on the referrals out of class. We would raise grape juice when we were doing well. So they everybody got their numbers like I was only out twice this week. And we would cheer, you know, like and and, I, and we it. would we would unpack it like what got in the way? Well, that teacher made me mad and I rolled my eyes and started smacking and this and that. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say, well, did that work? What else can you do when you're really hot? And then I'd say to the ladies, I said, what do you think she should do? Whenever I could, I just got out of the way as a white woman mm -hmm. to create that space and a little maturity. I mean, they're young, right? So I had a little maturity. I didn't go to war stories or drama. If the teachers were being dogged too hard, I was mm -hmm. like, well, they ain't going to come back tomorrow. So they're right. still going to get paid. Right. So we got to figure out how you can get an education here. But I knew that things were going well when I would see the girls grab arms and say, come with me now. You're not going to mm -hmm. go off today. I got I you. I love it. I got you. So... So I think when we trust them enough to create a space and a place to not feel lonely, to get ideas about how to be in school. And I always said, we're here not because you're mad or because things are awful, but because we just haven't seen the best of you yet. Oh, they love that. They love, love that, that they too. were misunderstood somehow yes. and that they had and gifts they were. that were not being seen. Yes. And so how do we create that space so they can support each other to be at their best. And the teacher who came to me who wanted an anger management group says, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And I'm not taking credit for that necessarily, but it mm -hmm. has to do with trusting mm -hmm. our young people to know that the answers are within them and with the right ingredient of support and right. hope. I don't settle ever. You don't settle ever. Mm -hmm. They have things to offer. Right. There's just something to get in the way. And we got to stick with them until they figure out another way. Right. Because if I was co-opted into starting an anger management group and mm -hmm. I handed out the worksheets that said, you've been to that group? Hello. Or you've been to that space, right? You've been to that right. space where somebody's saying to you, you're broken, I'm going to fix you. Right. And, and here's a worksheet that's going to tell you how to breathe better. Right. No. Right. They needed each other. Yeah. And they needed to rise up with each other and with that support. What I don't think is happening is that kind of training for people. Right. You know, like they tend to still use white models right. of... I got the answers and you don't. So I'm going to teach you how to be better. And I'm like, mm. can you say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? I do. I do. And I think that then there's no onus on them to check. Yes. Am I responding best? Am I bringing as a teacher? Am I bringing the energy that brings the best out of this child? Mm -hmm. I was in this Facebook group that is built around this, I won't say what it is, but it's one of the behavior management styles that's very, very popular. And this teacher writes up on there and says, oh, please help me with some encouragement. I'm dealing with this student who is kind of weird, and I had a really bad interaction with them. And I'm trying to bring back positivity to this and to better interact with this student. Well, everybody on there, mostly, it was a white woman. It was mostly white women on there. They said, oh, you're so great for being transparent. Oh, you're doing it already. Good for you. Good for you. Now, I don't know why I'm even in that group, and I, I'm pretty sure they probably 
put me out the group after this. But my response was, well, I think you're still creating some distance between you and that student by using the word weird. You are saying that there's something wrong with that student is why you're not able to connect. And that doesn't allow you the time or the space or the onus or the responsibility to check yourself. And I think that's what ends up happening. And I can get deep with this. Historically, there is so much between us as black women and white women, historically. And the trauma of all of that and all of the white men coming to the slave stables and raping and producing these kids that look like them. And the white women who had issues with that, and I would have had an issue with it too. And everything between this and coming for coming for and all the issues that we've had racially in this country. So now you're dealing with systems like school, like social services, that are predominantly run by white women. And white women still don't understand black women. So if you don't understand me as a black woman, how then do you understand my black girl? Mm-hmm. And when issues come up, I've just heard teachers who won't even call. They won't. They won't even call because they're afraid of how mm-hmm. this woman is going to respond. They don't think she cares. You know, my son one time and he, I'm talking to him as a boy, my daughter didn't get me an ounce of trouble in school. <laughs> That's because I didn't know she was skipping. But. My son, I'm in a parent-teacher conference. We're deep into the school year at this point. And the teacher tells me that a month ago, my son had called her a bitch. And I'm thinking, a month ago he called you a bitch. A month ago he didn't turn in some papers. A month ago he skipped class five times. And I'm thinking, she never contacted me. She never told me this. She never emailed me. I made sure that all my teachers, kids' teachers, had my number. They had my email. I reached out to them specifically and sent it to them. So I'm thinking, so this happened all these weeks ago. I think one of the worst things that happened to school systems has been the infinite campus because it takes away responsibility from teachers to make a personal contact with parents if something's going on. Well, just check Infinite Canvas. Well, you'll check it and it's not updated because teachers are overwhelmed, so you're not getting up-to-date information. So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this woman didn't tell me that my son has been skipping. She didn't tell me he had handed in assignments. She is a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He was right. (laughs) But, you know, it was, I knew she just assumed who I was and assumed how I would respond. Because I'm telling you, if I had known my son was up at that school calling a teacher a name, I would have been on it. I would have been up at that school. Mm -hmm. You know, when my son was in um, middle school at Hamilton, one of the teachers reached out to me and said he's acting up in math class. I said, is he? So you know what I did? I went to his math class mm-hmm. and sat there. His kid, his friends love me still from that day. I will never forget. It. I put a picture up on Facebook so that it would ever be out there that I was in that math class. But I didn't play that. Plus, my childhood friend, my best friend from childhood, was his principal. I'm like, oh, my God, you can't be acting up in front of my friend like this. But there's all these assumptions mm-hmm. because white women and black women have this thing between them. Mm-hmm. And it trickles down to our kids. It does. You got time for two more quick stories? I do. Okay. This is a quick one. I've been a social worker for 33 years. So I've had a number of women who are interns, mm. all white women becoming new social workers. Right. And they Just would, what we need. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> I don't know. More white women <laughs> being right. social yeah. Well, and anyway. They, yeah, but it, yes, I agree with you. But we'd be into about the fall of the school year. I said, okay, it's time to reach out and call a parent. Yeah. And they'd be having poopy pants and crying right. and this and that and this and that. And so I said, what are you worried about? Well, I'm going to get yelled at. They're going to be mad at me and they're going to be upset or I'm going to say something bad about their kid and that's going to make them feel bad and whatever. And I said, any distress that you hear from a parent is love. Mm-hmm. So I hear love. Mm-hmm. I hear love. So if somebody's worked up a little bit and asking you some hard right. questions. What did that teacher do first or whatever? I don't care what it is. Right. You hear love and you might hear I a little fear, that. too. Right. Little love, little fear. But that's it. And that's not about you. See, the other thing is white people make people things very white centered. So they think it's always about them. Like I'm, they take it personally and they get all injured and all that. And I said, no, you need to hear love because this mama wants for her son. Come on with that truth, girl. Yeah, the best. And so you have to grab hands with her and do this. Now, do you get a little upset? Maybe. I don't like getting a call about my son. I got plenty. Let let me tell you. (laughs) I got plenty. So the other quick story is. Miss Evans, who is an amazing friend and mentor to me, sent me to do a habitual truancy conference. We had a black young girl in eighth grade who was missing too much school. Mm-hmm. And so my job was to convene a group of people to talk about this. Mm-hmm. It's by a statute or law that we have to do this, right, when kids miss too much school. And I said, I'm on it. I'll, I got this. And so I did two things. I collected all the data from Infinite Campus. <laughs> I had all the toddies. I knew how many absences there was. I knew it was mostly on Mondays. I was doing my, and that's a very white-centered approach, by mm-hmm. the way. So you just look at all the data and you're going. Just the facts. And you're going to tell people, right? Yes. You're going to tell people this is how it is because that's that was the truth that I was searching. I also went to the young woman. And I said, who loves you? Because that's who I'm going to put in the room. Mm. So who loves you? Who loves you up right now in I your world? It. And we're going to put those people in the room. Yes. So I go to this meeting and I have my little sheets I got my sheets, I got my data, I got my plan. And she decided who was going to be there, which included a county social worker, a family community liaison, an older sister, and I think a grandma or something. These were all black folks Mm -hmm. who had come to the meeting. So I come in, I got my sheet of papers. I thanked everybody for coming. And then the circle closed and the folks started talking. Mm. And they were like, hey, uh, what's going on? And everybody's talking a little bit and, Mm -hmm. you know, about just catching up about who they know and how people are. And the young woman is there listening to the stories and they start talking about a few stories about when she was little and remember at church when this happened and you were in that dance group and this and this and that. And I sat quietly. Mm -hmm. I sat quietly. Though I knew Miss Evans was waiting for the plan. She was going to ask me when it was done, did you have that plan done? So the talking continued and the circle was closed and I was not in it and it was fine. And I just watched and watched. I thought, is there a place for me to insert myself into this conversation with my data, my plan and this and that? (laughs) I did not. I chose not to. So the meeting went on and they loved her up. Attendance was never mentioned once, not at all. Mm -hmm. And then they gave hugs and they left and I never said a word. And I didn't have a plan. I didn't have anything. So Miss Evans said to me, you know, hey, what's up? You got the plan? I said, something happened in there that was really important. I was not part of it. I said, I don't have a plan for you. Let's see how this goes. But I did wonder, like, what happened? Right. Like, we didn't talk about attendance. We didn't look at strategies. We didn't do all that stuff. That girl's attendance went through the flipping roof. Wow. Now, had I ran that with my endorsed authority as a white Mm -hmm. woman in a professional position, and I had decided that this is how we were going to talk about how she was broken and the data and all this, instead of convening a circle of love that said, you matter, you're important, you have a history with us, you're part of our neighborhood, you're part of our community, and you can do better. You can be the girl that we know that you can be and get out of the way. So, so much of it is just trusting 
I didn't know what was happening. I knew that, I, and I had some feelings as a white woman about being excluded. Like, I'm not right. in this. You right. know, so I was like, what was that like for me? And I just kept my pie hole shut because that was fine. There was something right. happening there right. that was important for this young woman. Yes. So it's, it's like we have to flip our ways of being together so that the white-centered way of doing things is not the only way to be. Right. There's a power dynamic there and there's a mm -hmm. broken, like, I'm going to communicate with you everything that's wrong about your child. Right. And that's a disconnection. That does not create the kind of love and support that's needed to lift somebody up. Absolutely. Particularly if you haven't developed a relationship with this parent or with that child right. or with that family that they already know you care and you're concerned. Then it, it's very difficult then to come just with the bad thing. Right. They haven't heard anything from you. So, but what Those if a behavior or attendance meeting, what if the first question was, we went to the young person and said, who loves you? Who do we need to put in this space so that we can see what you need and what's going to bring out the best in you? That's a powerful question. And it's not that hard, is it? No. I didn't need graduate degrees or nonsense to figure that stuff out. Right. And then how do I honor that space? If I'm part of it, great. But if I'm not, right. I ain't running it. All I want is for this young woman to be who she's supposed to be. That's it. I love it. We need more women like you in these schools. Well, yeah. We do. Yeah. We do. As my grandmother would say, mm-mm-mm, that was a good conversation. And listen, we're not playing. We mean this thing. We mean to defend black girlhood by taking on the tough conversations that need to be had in order to do so. And we would love for you to get more connected with our work and our mission by visiting Laleda.org to explore the dynamic work we're doing to defend black girls everywhere they are. And while you're there, we invite you to join our mailing list so you will not miss one single fearless conversation. <laughs>